I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend... MetLife Stadium for you guys. Now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com, recording today from the Vivid Seat Studio with your reminder that we're given at the top of each episode. Use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app for $100 off your first purchase take advantage of that promo code we are back with day five of our 10 straight days of answering questions about the 2019 new york jets that are going to determine whether they are going to be a playoff team or not the halfway point i'm on my daily podcast flow here like i'm scott mason on the play like a jet feed i'm feeling like i'm getting into the rhythm a little bit of doing this every single day appreciate the uh the supports and the listen so far it's been good to uh flip to a daily version for these two weeks and, and see the feedback be where it's at first four episodes if you missed them are all available on this feed they're available on turn on the jets.com uh podcast feed is available on itunes where you should please subscribe rate and review available on spotify google play the website shared out through my Twitter handle at Jay Caparoso. Episode one, asking the question if Sam Darnold could make the leap. Episode two, asking if Le'Veon Bell can regain his Pittsburgh Steelers form. Episode three, asking if CJ Mosley was worth that much money. Episode four, asking if Robbie Anderson could be wide receiver one. Today, episode five is going to focus on the New York Jets offensive line, and if their depth could hold up to protect the most important person in the entire organization right now, Sam Darnold. So we are going to talk all offensive line today, go about 20 minutes, just like the previous four episodes, and we will be back tomorrow with yet another episode, followed by four more, and then go right into our season preview for week one with Jets Bills. Um, Let's talk offensive line. So as it stands now, It is unlikely, as of the recording of this podcast, the Jets are going to make any major, major moves on the offensive line. They've already made one transaction, trading a conditional seventh-round pick to the Baltimore Ravens for Alex Lewis, who we'll talk about a little bit more in a bit. Uh, It doesn't seem like Trent Williams is going to happen. He's been the biggest rumored name. Would not be surprising if the Jets looked to maybe tweak their depth a little bit on the offensive line in the waiver wire period. But it feels like more of their focus is probably going to be on the cornerback position, potentially inside linebacker and edge rusher, along with wide receiver. Uh, And we'll certainly talk about those positions in future episodes of this series. So as it stands now, your New York Jets offensive line is as follows. Right tackle, Brandon Schell. Left tackle, Kelvin Beecham. Center, recently signed Ryan Khalil. And your guards, Acquired this offseason in a trade, Kalecio Semele, and holdover from the previous few years, Brian Winters. Your top backups at tackle, 
third-round pick, Chuma Doga. Your backup at center, Jonathan Harrison, who was the projected starter up until they signed Khalil a few weeks ago. Other primary backups, Alex Lewis, who they acquired from the Ravens, we just mentioned via trade. Uh, and then also veteran Tom Compton, who they signed from the Minnesota Vikings this offseason. Rounds out your likely top nine. Also other journeymen guys who have been rotating through, players like Eric Smith and Ben Braden are longer shots to make the roster. And those first nine that I named, I would guess outside of Adoga, Lewis, and hard to say. They're going to keep Adoga, Lewis, and Harris, and those are going to be three of their backups. That ninth guy, uh, Compton, maybe could end up being swapped out with somebody else. So that's basically what you're looking at uh, from your offensive line depth perspective, whether they carry eight, whether they carry nine, whether they carry ten, we'll see. When you look at this unit across the board, it's absolutely one that long-term, there's no doubt Joe Douglas is going to completely revamp. He's already stressed the importance of offensive line every time he's publicly talked about the position. He went and proactively traded for Lewis. Um, you know, One of the biggest downfalls of Mike McCadden's tenure as a Jets GM was the lack of the focus on offensive line. And you know, with Andrew Luck retiring and all the discussion around that, one of the things that kept coming up was how his GM, Ryan Grigson, really failed him by not investing in the offensive line. And I forget the exact numbers, but basically he drafted like three offensive linemen over the course of five years, and they were all mid to late round picks. And that rang a bell for me with McCagden, because as we know, over five drafts that he orchestrated, he only drafted um, three offensive linemen and up until Chuma Doga this past year none in the first three rounds so his first year he uses a fifth round pick on Jonathan Harrison who never plays a snap in the NFL he uses a fifth round pick on Brandon Shell who is you know turned into a starting right tackle uh, and then they just took a Doga uh, in the third round but beyond that the position was you know totally ignored in the draft and you know that was one of the main reasons the Jets needed to get rid of McCagden because you couldn't have a GM who was going to get your young prize quarterback killed, which is what happened with the Colts and unfortunately forced Andrew Luck into an early retirement. So there's a lot of fluidity when you look at the contract status of uh, these current players on the Jets' offensive line. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Really, from an ability to move on with their current contract, no one is really on a solid deal uh, beyond this year out of their projected starters. Uh, you know, Khalil is obviously a bridge signing that they just did here in training camp. Osemele, they're going to have to look at the structure of the deal that they acquired from the Raiders and decide if he's worth doubling down on in a second year. Uh, and they have reasonable outs on Shell, on Beecham, uh, and on winners if they want to move on. And, you know, I would say off the top of my head that, I don't think there's a good chance that Brian Winters is a starter here next year uh, unless he really has a much better than expected season. And I would even say a guy like Brandon Shell, 
uh, is probably likely on thin ice. Easy to say that, yeah, they should move on from Kelvin Beecham too, but Beecham, I think, and I've talked about this a lot this offseason, I think is one of the more underappreciated players on this roster. Really got him on good value uh, over the past few years, and he is consistent, he's healthy, he shows up every week, he is not a pro bowler or an all-pro, but he's also not a disaster. And left tackle is a hard position to fill, and he's been competent in that role for the past two years. So, you know, barring the Jets being in position to make an aggressive selection of a left tackle high in the NFL draft next year, uh, or maybe have something break right in free agency because great left tackles don't always come free on the market, would not stun me if we see Beecham around in some capacity next year. And he, I think, has been consistently better than Brandon Shell, who I think is generally overrated by Jet fans and has really struggled to stay healthy, and we need to see um, if he can stay healthy, healthy this year. You know, Two years ago, he missed three and a half, four games. I think he only played like 68% of the snaps. Last year, uh, had a season-ending injury against the Texans towards the end of the season. And even when he's out there, he's been he's been a little inconsistent. I think he's someone who had a few solid games to start his career, and then everyone, certain Jet fans, basically just wrote it off that he was this great right tackle. And I don't I don't think that is uh, really the case at all. And I think one of the concerning things about the Jets' offensive line is that. Up until practice this week, practice leading into the fourth preseason game, the starting unit, the projected starting five, got zero time and zero reps together. Uh, obviously, part of that is due to Khalil coming on late in training camp, but it also has to do with Brian Winters, Coluccio Semele, uh, Brandon Shell all being banged up at different parts of the preseason. So they're inevitably going to be working through chemistry issues early in the season and it's a bad slate of matchups to have to work through chemistry issues on buffalo for whatever else you feel about their roster has a very good front seven cleveland you know miles garrett olivier vernon uh all the talent that they have up front there uh you know people always kind of gravitate to the big names on offense but they have a loaded defensive front seven uh philly and dallas are arguably two of the five or six best defensive fronts in the nfl uh, when it comes to their depth and versatility. And New England, you know, generally is not a team who has names that pop off the page, but they find a way to get it done and come after the quarterback. And their defense uh, is as good as it's been in a few years on paper. So uh, it's going to be a handful for the Jets' offensive line. And you have to think that they're going to be, the Jets are going to be doing some things to make sure Sam Darnold is extra, extra safe uh, in terms of moving the pocket, quick releases, playing up tempo, keeping an extra tight end or an extra back end to block because they just can't risk him getting pummeled by those, you know, Philly, New England, Dallas, Cleveland uh, defensive lines and edge rushers that he's going to be going against. So do I think that this Jets, Jets offensive line is as bad as a situation as we're looking at a cornerback? No. And I think good on Douglas for doing what he could in being proactive and getting Khalil out of retirement to sort of function in a bridge year. You know, he's not going to be the long-term answer. Uh, but as a bridge option, he's likely to be better than Jonathan Harrison would have been, a guy who's never proven he could be a full-time starter. And taking a swing on Alex Lewis, a guy with some starting experience who... You know, it's not great by any stretch of the imagination, but there's not a lot of great offensive linemen out there, and very few teams feel really good about who their 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth linemen are. I would say at least, unlike previous years, 
for the Jets this year, they have guys in Lewis, in Compton, uh, and Harrison who have starting experience and have started, you know, a decent amount of games spread over the past few years. Adoga sticking around has the highest pick the Jets have used on an offensive lineman in a while and, you know, has the experience of playing with Sam Darnold. I don't, you know, really see him as someone who's going to be ready to play this year. But it would not shock me if at some point Brandon Shell got banged up and we saw him out there with the starters. I think internally the team is really hoping that in 2020 Adoga allows them to move on from Shell and that way they could focus on building out the rest of that offensive line, upgrading center long term, upgrading Brian Winter's position, and looking if there is a smart way to upgrade over Kelvin Beecham. Uh, and it's just something that it's going to be a multi-year process, but they should be able to take some strides forward next year if they focus their investment on it. And really their only big swing this offseason on the offensive line was upgrading James Carpenter to Coleccio Semele, which with a, what I think was a very worthwhile trade. Basically it was a pick swap. You moved down, you know, I think it was 20 or 30 picks in the fifth round or fifth to sixth round to get Semele, a guy who... You know, has been banged up recently, but you know, was you know two three years ago was arguably the best guard in the NFL, and you know, is at a point in his career where there's no reason to think he can't give the Jets two good starting seasons at least, which time up well with Sam Darnold's rookie contract. Uh, if he can get back to being healthy, and even if he's ninety percent of the player he was a few years ago for the Raiders, that's going to be a massive upgrade over James Carpenter, and be even much better than what the Jets normally get from Brian Winters, who is a fairly below-average starter, and outside of last year has had really a tough time staying healthy for all sixteen games. So it doesn't, based on his history, it would not be pragmatic to count on 16 games from winners this year. He's likely to get banged up at some point and miss a few games. And if that's the case, we could see a Lewis, we could see a Compton, which, you know, is not ideal. I guess it's also not out of the question. The Jets maybe could give Harrison a look if they feel better about him playing alongside Khalil. Uh, I think, but the hope is that Osemele is really going to be that road grader and the primary guy that they run the football behind uh, and really is the player who sets the tone now alongside with Khalil for how the Jets are going to run the football. So if everything breaks right for this unit, Khalil is able to get up to speed and be an approximation of what he was in Carolina. Osemele is healthy and looks like the player he is when he's healthy, which is one of the better guards in the NFL. Uh, you're able to get back-to-back healthy seasons out of Brian Winters, and he's competent enough. Brandon Shell, unlike the previous two years, stays healthy and is competent enough. And Calvin Beeching keeps being the player he was the past few years. And really, we only see the deaf guys few and far between a game here and a game there. If the Jets get that, it feels like a unit that's probably somewhere between 16 and 22 in the NFL, depending on how the rest of the league shakes out. And I think Darnold could be good enough and they have enough talent at the skill positions to potentially compensate for some of the shortcomings there, particularly when the schedule softens up a little bit and they're playing some teams that are not going to be as stacked defensively as some of the teams they're playing earlier in the season. I feel like the way the schedule lays out, offensive line is going to be a huge talking point as a problem early in the year. And then concerns about it as the chemistry comes along and Khalil gets more comfortable and the schedule gets a little softer, uh, concerns about it will dissipate a little bit, uh, and it will become less of a focal point of a problem area for the team. Now, on the flip side, the worst-case scenario is 
you're dealing with a lot of guys with potential injury concerns. Khalil is not historically someone who's had a ton, but he's fresh off, you know, returning from retirement and is playing his way back into shape and training camp. There's injury concerns there because of that. Osemele obviously was banged up in Oakland recently, and that's why they traded him. Uh, Brian Winters and Brandon Shell, we talked through some of their injury concerns. So if those guys, multiple of those guys are hurt at the same time, and you have to do, you have weeks where you're starting a Tom Compton and a not ready yet Chuma Doga, it's a situation that could be really ugly. And you could have a situation where this is like a bottom five unit in the NFL. You got to hope that they stay healthy. You got to hope that Osemele refines his form and can be, you know, a Pro Bowl esque type player. Uh, and that allows the Jets to do some things running the football that they just haven't been able to do in recent years. It, you know, I think offensively, and you know we'll hit on this a lot through all these episodes. I think the Jets are further along than they are defensively, uh, particularly because of the talent they have at the skill positions, not so much of the talent that they have on the offensive line. But I think the offensive line can be, if everything breaks right, competent enough in a, what is really a bridge year until Joe Douglas can get his hands in there and completely remake this unit. I would expect Douglas, with whatever draft capital the Jets have next year, to use one to two, if not even three picks on offensive linemen, depending on how many picks that they ultimately end up with. And I think in free agency and in the trade market, the Jets are going to be particularly aggressive there. I would guess the starting five for week one in the Jets on the Jets in 2019, I would guess at least two of those spots are turned over by the time we get to the week one of 2020 uh, around who's going to protect Sam Darnold long term. So in the vacuum of 2019, Jet fans need to hope for their sanity and for Sam Darnold's development and for Le'Veon Bell reaching his potential that they're going to get a throwback Colecchio Semele year, that Brandon Shell and Brian Winters can be the best versions of themselves and be healthy, uh, that Kelvin Beecham can just stay steady and do what he's done the past two years, and that Ryan Khalil really had one more decent year in him and is better, clearly better than what they would have gotten out of Jonathan Harrison uh, and is without a question an upgrade over the mess that's been the past two years with Spencer Long and Wesley Johnson. They can do all that. There's a good chance this offense will be good enough to cover some of the warts on the defense and allow this team to be competitive throughout the entire course of the year and stay, you know, in that wild card discussion, stay hovering around 500 where they could potentially make a move in December.